Hello there. You're listening to Manufacturing Tomorrow, brought to you by the Ohio Manufacturing Institute at The Ohio State University. I'm Katherine Kelly, your host for this segment. This segment is also brought to you by the Center for Innovation and Entrepreneurship at the Fisher College of Business. Today we are speaking with Bob Welsh, Vice President of Breakthrough Innovation at Stanley Black & Decker, a Fortune 500 American manufacturer of industrial tools, fasteners, household hardware, and security products. In leading SPD's Innovation Accelerator team, his focus is to improve and advance the company's global innovation processes and impact. Additionally, his team developed and now manages the company's first employee makerspace. Bob has held a number of roles at the company, including Vice President of Industrial Design for Global Tools and VP for Brand Marketing and Industrial Design for DeWalt Power Tools. He received an executive MBA in management at Loyola University and his bachelor, bachelor's degree in industrial design at Ohio State. Bob, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's great to be here. Since Stanley Black & Decker is a household name, it probably doesn't need much introduction. Uh, nevertheless, what have been the company's hallmarks of innovation from your standpoint? There have been a bunch. Uh, I'll, I'll name a few here. The the Workmate, I'll try to name the ones that you've probably got in your house or seen over the years. Uh, the Workmate is a flip-up work stand, workbench type thing. The Dust Buster, that's a classic one. Most people have that. Uh, Stanley was known for the tape rule, which is the tape measure that a lot of people use on construction sites. And then, uh, interestingly enough, we have... Um, the moon drill, which was a drill specifically designed to be used on the Apollo mission when we landed men on the moon to take a core sample. So we've been involved in even NASA programs. So lots of innovation coming out of the company. Yes, and it's broadly based. You're in everything from, as I said, fasteners to oil and gas. That's true, and security and uh, lots of different divisions. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a great company with a lot of pathways. From what I've learned, the company clusters employees in innovation hubs that are connected to startups, academic experts, and other sources of inspiration. How has that approach to uh, to um, the uh, company culture speed and innovation, especially in product development and commercialization? Sure. The way the company is set up is the core businesses are in design centers or in single locations, and then some of the more breakthrough innovation type teams are the ones that are clustered uh, elsewhere. One of the best things you can do with your creative teams or your innovative teams is partner them or link them with other companies or other sources of influence or inspiration. And being outside of core allows them to focus, but being tied to other influences often allows for things like serendipity to happen. Uh, a lot of talk uh, uh, is circling around digital manufacturing, Industry 4.0, uh, and I mean, you, can, you name it, there are all different types of terminologies for the next generation of manufacturing. Um, what role does that, I, I know it has a role within the company, but how does that, uh, you know, what types of, of uh, for, formats does that take? Sure, that is something we're very interested in. It's um, as you have those step functions in industry manufacturing, you have to be abreast of the technologies, the underlying technologies that are enabling that, and then the customer demands that are changing the profile of how you produce products, the speed at which you do it, 
and the flexibility. So that is something that Stanley Black & Decker we're very interested in and, uh, you know, continuing to look at things, not just Industry 4.0, but some of the subsets like the Internet of Things and connected products and products each having their own IP address where they, they are their own entity. Those kind of things are uh, very much of interest to us. I was really impressed in your talk earlier today about the battery technologies. And I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that. It was pretty incredible what you know, came out of uh, you know, developing you know, some, sure. some batteries that uh, you know, are more, more flexible than, and just thinking outside the box to get to that point. Yeah, thank you. That, the, uh, one of the things we do extremely well are systems at Stanley Black & Decker. You're taking something and developing an entire ecosystem around something, such as a battery platform. And with many of our professional-minded customers and users, they look for solutions that are rugged and robust and, and work 100% of the time. Every time they pull the trigger, if it's not working, they're, they're losing money or efficiency there. So we put a lot of time, energy, and focus on enabling them to do their job better, faster, longer, more powerful, more runtime. And things like battery technology, staying abreast of the latest evolutions in lithium-ion technology and pouch cell technology and, the, and battery technologies, that's something, uh, again, of high interest to us and something that we have teams dedicated to look at so that we are understanding what the market shifts that are likely to come are and be right there in sync with them. What is your take on the evolving role of, of innovation practices in corporate growth strategy? Uh, you mentioned earlier that uh, innovation is a mission, not an intermission. <laughs> Um, in, in terms of partnerships, what, what types of academic partnerships do you engage in to spur those types of practices? Well, innovation needs to be front and center. And yeah, what you're, what you're referencing is the line uh, that I lifted from Mall Cop where, um, you know, innovation, as I called it, has to be a mission, not something you kind of do. It has to be what you do, not an intermission. Um, great movie, by the way. And <laughs> it, uh, it, it is... It's looking at it simplistically like that. You can't just participate in innovation or put a few people in an off-site location and say, hey, guess what? We do innovation here. You really have to have a process and a protocol. You have to get the right people selected that are of the right mindset and the right ilk to be on that team and then collaborate and work nicely back with some of the other teams, the core teams and stuff. Um, so it's got to be front and center, and it is something that we look at working with other innovative mindsets like academic institutions like um, other startups, other business units, other um, ecosystems sort of create a creative collision of ideas and thoughts and inspirations there so that we can be fed slightly different than you would naturally be in core. Do you have a specific example of that, that type of relationship? Uh, Techstars would be a good one. Techstars is a uh, an organization, it's a national organization that we have linked up with in pursuit of advanced manufacturing. And what Techstars does is they fund um, startups and they help incubate them. And us being part of that allows us to help be part of that mentoring process and then ideally a beneficiary of some of the outputs. And uh, how long have you been involved with Techstars? It's fairly new. Um, it, it'll be this year is our first engagement with them. And really, we're looking at uh, sort of the July to September timeframe, doing a very intense sit with them and some of those startups. 
Some of the things that, that you um, are engaged in, you know, I, I consider the you know the term entrepreneurship to be, uh, you know, a def- the definition of, of what those things are, are about. And can you talk a little bit more about the need for that in, in such a large corporation like uh, SBD? Sure. As best I understand it, entrepreneurship is entrepreneurial um, mindset and activities, but it occurs within an existing organization versus a startup or a solo practice. I would say, having been with Stanley Black & Decker over 20 years now, the company, all companies of that size, need just an inherent entrepreneurship mindset. It doesn't have to come from every corner of the business, but that needs to be ingrained in the culture of the business and the folks that are sort of leading the uh, leading the charge there. And really what that means is as an entrepreneur, you find something you're desperately passionate about that you would choose to probably do as a hobby or in your free time or even if you weren't being paid for it, and you devote yourself to that cause. Failure's not an option, full steam ahead, and you, you just go. You give it everything you got. And that mindset doesn't mean that if you're with a corporation, you shouldn't think like that. And more and more now, you're seeing corporations help encourage those sort of behaviors, allowing people a little more dispensation, maybe a a Friday afternoon once a month where they've got free time, where they can work on a pet project, where they can help bring something to life. So the entrepreneurship aspect, I would say, is more critical now in corporations than ever. And that perspective seems to be evident in the Towson makerspace and uh, some of the capabilities that that are um, in that space that you had mentioned that even uh, the non-engineers are benefiting from being involved and learning about TIG welding, CNC laser engraving, even virtual reality. Um, And so you hold classes and then they they have the – they have access to that space, and uh, I was really impressed by the the workbench that uh, Nancy Chung built uh, that was <laughs> highlighted on the website. Yeah, it's it's been really neat. Um, one of the things that my team does, and I have the privilege of overseeing, is the company's first employee-only makerspace. And really, it's I heard an adage one time that I love, and that is, with every set of hands you have, you get a free brain. And what that really gets to is, as a company, Stanley Black & Decker, we have over 50,000 employees globally. They've all got ideas of some sort. They do. But you may be a factory worker that doesn't even have a computer, but yet you're the expert because you see how things are assembled, how they fail, maybe potentially have a better way of, of making them. You need to have an outlet to be able to contribute those kind of ideas to the company. So we do have an innovation portal where we draw in those kind of ideas, but then we have a makerspace that allows employees to go there and actually learn how to use tools. You know, believe it or not, Stanley Black & Decker, we make tools. A lot of our employees don't use them. They just, they don't, they either don't remodel, they don't work um you know, extracurricularly using tools as a hobby. So the makerspace allows them to come in and actually learn how to use the tools, our tools or other more sophisticated, larger pieces of equipment. And it also gives them a space where they can come work on their idea, either by themselves or with teammates or other folks in the company. And it has it has been really fantastic as far as a cultural addition to uh, that entrepreneurial spirit that we are, are starting in the company. And how does that influence the uh, workforce development practices in general? Do you see a connection? Um, yeah, there is. You 
absolutely as a company, you need to focus on people as individuals. And some of the best companies and some of the best leaders are ones that can help guide people to where they can be most productive within the company. They see a blossoming talent, they can feed that, fuel that, and then put them on teams or help direct them in teams where they can give the best bang for the company. So I do see a connection there. But by and large, when you're empowering your employees, saying, hey, listen, you're a great person. That's why you're on the team. That's why we hired you. And we hired you for an excellence that's germane to the skill set that we hired you for. But you know what? We also know you probably got some cool passions. You got some cool things you like to do. Share them with us. Let's see what you got. And there's a good chance that you may be able to help design or help contribute to a product that we've never made before that might be a big hit. And how does that uh, democratization of innovation fit into the goals of the company? Yeah, we, we love that term. It's really, if you are in a function of engineering or industrial design per se, you naturally have access to the tools and equipment that allow you to play around and prototype things. But most of the other functions outside of that accounting, finance, marketing, you just can't do that. In fact, you're not allowed to go in the labs that you're not certified to go in. So a place like a makerspace truly democratizes that and it allows people to come there knowing nothing. We train them there, they can make stuff there, they can uh, do little what we call make and takes where you make a, a cutting board or a, a wine rack or something like that. And you use six or seven tools to do it. You learn how to use the tools. You get certified on those tools. And then you've got something you can take home and share with people after. That's fantastic. Then you also have an innovation portal where you're doing some crowdsourcing of ideas. Yeah, that's worked out really well. We have several innovation portals. One is open to anybody on the planet, employee or not, to submit and contribute ideas that they think um, would be something that would be great to be produced through our company. And then we also have an internal employee-only innovation portal. And instead of opening that one up to any crazy idea that they have, we've found we get a better benefit by posting prescriptive challenges through that. And what that would look like is one of the leaders within one of the businesses would have a um, uh, an issue. I'll give you an example, um, a pet cleaning product. Hey, how could you make cleaning up pet hair easier, better, quicker. And so a challenge like that would be distributed to the entire company. And anybody who thought that they had a solution that they've used or their mom used or something that they thought would be clever could contribute that idea. And those ideas are all collected, gathered, they're distilled down and then evaluated by, we'll call them the experts within the business units that kind of know materials and sciences and plastics and then marketing and commercialization. And we've had, uh, to date, we've had over $8 million in product sold at retail as a direct result of ideas that were contributed from our internal innovation portal that we call the drawing board. So in terms of uh, all of these different ways to gather uh, innovative ideas and how many actually make their way to production? I mean, if you're you're looking at uh, percentage-wise. Right. If you're looking for like a hit rate, it is not high and it is not high by design. Um, One way of looking at it is a lot of the low-hanging fruit's already been plucked and (laughs) there aren't anything but wicked problems left out there to solve. So there are a lot of barriers that just naturally exist in the world, in the marketplace, in the commercial channels 
to just commercializing anything and truly having it make an impact. So what we tend to do is we focus people on, hey, here are the areas, sort of the ponds we know you want to fish out of. These are the problem statements that we want to get after. Um, And that tends to get more like-minded solutions put together where we can kind of sweep those into a nice pile um, and bring the people together and collaborate further to be able to take that over the finish line. I understand the company has an advanced manufacturing center of excellence in downtown Hartford and uh, that it, that's used to accelerate the Smart Factory Initiative and that's called Manufacturing 4.0 after the original Stanley Bolt Manufactory founded in 1843. Um, how is that preparing individuals for digital manufacturing, which we mentioned before, or the industrial internet of things? Sure, yeah, that uh, location you're mentioning in Hartford is something that we're currently building out. Um, it is our new Industry 4.0 Center. It's gonna open later this year and have a cross-section of smart technology um, sort of attributes as well as things that can demonstrate the capabilities and then also train people. The training part, using technology to train people is going to be really key because in some parts of the world, uh, your employee base is less reliable or rotates very often. And if you have a sophisticated piece of equipment like many things are getting nowadays, you're going to need to have people that can stay trained or you can train them faster. You bring somebody new in, you can get them up to speed almost immediately. So the Smart Factory will be a place where we can experiment with the best ways to do that. Maybe it's, you know, lights and LEDs and things that can direct people and maybe not even use the English language, but characters or arrows and things so that you know, grab a part from this bin, apply it here, grab a part from that bin, green light when it's ready to go, you push a button, it moves on to the next station. So therefore, the learning curve is really pushed down. Um, we've also partnered with uh, Techstars, as we mentioned earlier, to bring 10 additive manufacturing startup companies into this new building, this new facility we're making. And we're going to incubate them for three months. It'll be in the July to September time frame. And the incubation process will help mentor them through the program and potentially fund them through our Stanley Ventures program, depending on how far we get in that process and the relevance of their technology and startup. That's amazing. It's cool. We're really excited about it. Uh, in terms of innovation, uh, of course, it, it requires a diverse workforce, usually. And uh, Stanley Black & Decker uh, landed on the list of, of top 100 companies for millennial women. Uh, so what are the, the keys uh, to create, you know, retain or even recruit a diverse workforce, uh, including women? I think a lot of people might be surprised that uh, you landed on that list. Yeah, it, uh, it's interesting. As a, as a father of a daughter myself, um, it's great to see that sort of activity. And the company, we, we've done a phenomenal job of focusing on the full suite of diversity. And it's great to see women, especially in a legacy-powered tool company, you know, obvi- a man's construction site type business, really getting in there and making sure that uh, their voice is heard and then making a difference. It's, it's been pretty phenomenal because, as I said earlier about, you know, with every set of hands, you get a free brain. A brain is a brain, you know, a, and that is, it's as simple as that. The As far as what the person can contribute gender-wise, diversity-wise, ethnicity-wise, it's pretty amazing what you can get when you have people that are not like-minded, specifically not like-minded together. 
and having women in leadership roles uh, is a great thing. And I'll give you another example. Um, our makerspace, first employee makerspace, is run by a woman. Audrey Vandy Castle on, on our team runs that space exclusively. And she is a phenomenal welder and uh, uh, not just a leader, but somebody that's great at instructional teachings and holding classes. And the, the people love her. And logic would say if you're open in a makerspace, you're picturing sort of your old high school football coach, shop teacher guy right, some gruff old individual that yells at you for doing things the wrong way. And just by the sheer fact of having Audrey be the person that runs the space, leads the space, um, holds people accountable for the safety guards and putting their glasses on, um, the, the affect that she's had and the impact she's had is it's a people are much more likely to come into the space now. They don't feel intimidated like they're going to get yelled at or looked down upon if they don't know how to use a certain piece of equipment or if they're not using it properly. One last question I, I ask guests on occasion. Uh, what would surprise us the most about Stanley Black & Decker? That's a great question. That's actually one I had to think about. I've been with the company over 20 years now, starting on the Black & Decker side and through the merger in 2010. Um, we are a large company, and last year we established a firm global purpose statement for the company, and that is for those who make the world. Clean and simple, we are for those who make the world. And the beauty of that statement is the, you can add a qualifier onto the end of that. Um, you can do that regionally. You can do that by team. And what you could say is for those who make the world more innovative, for those who make the world um, brighter, for those who make the world safer, for those, you know, and you can go on and on. And so each of the teams within the company have broken that down for their own purpose statement and mission statement by team. So there's a, a very individual feel that's occurring now in the company. And it, overarching, we tend to act more, we're, we're a large company, 50,000 plus employees globally, we tend to act more agile, more like a, a collection of smaller teams and smaller companies. So it's not the traditional big behemoth Fortune 100 company of the 80s maybe. It's uh, one big, large community of like-minded, networked individuals. It was wonderful having you on the show, Bob. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. This has been my pleasure.